Welcome back to Season 2 of the Aces Podcast. In this episode, I chat with Aces and Deakin University PhD candidate Laura Garcia-Quintana. We speak about her journey, submitting her thesis, what's next, and much more. So, let's get to the conversation. So, I'm chatting with ACES PhD student Laura Garcia-Quintana from Deakin University this afternoon on the podcast. Thanks for joining me, Laura. Thank you for having me, Sam. It's always a pleasure to catch up. We've caught up a few times for a number of um, video interviews and a number of PhD stories. So it's always nice to catch up. Uh, How's things down in Melbourne? Obviously, you guys were just talking before I hit record. You guys are in a week of lockdown. And this is also the week that you're likely going to finally submit your PhD. So um, an exciting (laughs) week. You've come out of lockdown and then you'll be submitting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a, I don't know, like... If the PhD hasn't been like, how to say, weird, awkward, special <laughs> enough, it's just to finish it properly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've um, seen sort of both sides, but haven't you? Like, you know, pre-COVID and now obviously yeah. um, life with COVID as a PhD student. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we start there. How's um, that sort of change as a, as a PhD student been for you? I mean, in my case, when all the pandemic happened, it was actually not too bad timing. Um, like I was starting reading, starting all the writing and everything. So like I still had some experiments to run, but I had lots of uh, writing to do as well. So it wasn't too bad. Um, it wasn't easy though, like being 24-7 at home with like, having like yeah it's not the best scenario to go through all your writing but I mean what can we do (laughs) yeah that's right I guess being forced to be at home um, makes writing a little easier you don't have um the opportunities to go out and procrastinate you just sort of um, exactly at home and forced to write (laughs) yeah but also like you also need those breaks as well. Like yeah. when, when you're just stuck at home, it's all you can do and it can be as well overwhelming. So yeah. balance always is good, the balance. And there hasn't been any balance, but yeah, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Well, congratulations because you're so close to finishing. I'm sure that's um, going to be pretty exciting when you finally um, submitted. Uh, we'll get into your, your PhD in a moment, but I just want to go back to, I guess, the beginning and ask you why uh, science in the beginning? Well, um, I, I've been always interested in science since I was really little. Like uh, all the time, I always like... I always picture myself doing any kind of job that it was somehow related to science. So either like a medical doctor or like at some point I was going to research and like find the cure of cancer because like one of my aunties had cancer and I was talking to my mom. I was like, I'm going to find the cure to cancer. Like, uh, Like it's always been there. Like in an, in one way or another, it's always been there. Like it's always been something that really got my my attention. Right. So 
going back to your undergrad and your master's, what did you um, study for both of those? So for my undergrad, I study chemistry. And then for my master's, I studied uh, nanoscience and nanotechnology. So it was a master's really focused on research because like I knew that I wanted to do Once I started studying chemistry, I knew that I wanted to do the PhD eventually. Um, So for the undergrad, I had to do a short research project uh, with some people at my university in Madrid. And I really enjoyed it. Like I knew I always enjoyed the lab work but I really enjoyed all my project. It was like a couple of months anyway. Um, And I got along really well with my supervisors. So I wanted to continue doing research. So they encouraged me to do this master's, which gave me a broad knowledge of different characterization techniques. Um, It was always very focused on materials and uh, I really liked uh, all the nanotechnology um, side of it. I really, really liked it. And actually my undergrad and my master's projects were related to, to that. So it was like synthesizing nanomaterials for batteries, which is when I started on my <laughs> battery journey. So yeah, like it was, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned um, there Madrid studying um, your undergrad and your master's there. So how did you, I guess, decide and have the opportunity to come to Australia to Deakin for your PhD? Well, it was, a, it was just a coincidence, I would say. <laughs> um, I was looking for, to do a PhD and I caught up with an old friend from high school and she was also at that time looking uh, for a PhD scholarship and since she is actually related to all the 3D printing, like she's been full on with all the 3D printing to like print um, skin or something like, I don't know, very complicated stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when she was looking for it, she found ACES, of course. <laughs> yeah. And she saw the scholarship related to batteries. So she was like, oh, Laura, like I found this, like maybe you, you're interested. And it was, I've always been curious and I've always liked to try things that I've never tried before. So I never tried to apply uh, for anything in English. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to start translating my CV, prepare the cover letter and everything. And I just sent it as for me to try something different. Like I never thought that they will actually grant me with a scholarship. So when they interviewed me, I was like, okay, they want to interview me. I'm happy. (laughs) That's all. Like I never pictured myself coming to Australia until they said, okay, congratulations. The scholarship is yeah. yours. I was like, okay, hang on. I haven't thought of this. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so very fast. It, it was good. It was very exciting. It was like a really, I, I remember it as a really fun and exciting process. Mm. Uh, of course, with the scary side of it, um, I never lived 
away from my family or anything yeah. like that. So it wasn't scary, but it was good fun. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So you're originally from Madrid then? Yep. Right, right. So how long for the listeners, uh, how long have you been in Australia for now? Four years. Okay. And, you know, we mentioned that you're pretty close to finishing your PhD. Do you want to stay in Australia after or the plans to go back? Or obviously now with COVID, it makes things a little more difficult, I guess. But yes, have you sort of thought about that? Or is it, is it still just, you know, all focus on finishing the PhD and then worry about that later? <laughs> no, like actually I wanted to stay a little bit longer here in Australia because I still want to like enjoy more the, the country and the people mm. and everything. Um, so I feel that I have, I'm not finished with Australia mm-hmm. <laughs> yet. Um, so I actually, while I was writing, uh, postdoc position came up at Monash uh, that sort of gather everything that I wanted to do after my PhD. So I applied for it. I had a great help from Maria Force and Christina, Patrick, uh, my supervisors, to prepare the all the like the curriculum and everything. And well, I got the position, so I'm gonna congratulations. And I'm staying for sure. Wow! Congrats! That's great news. Thank you. Thank Very you. good. So, when will you start that position? Um, if everything goes as smooth as until now i'm be starting next monday wow very soon (laughs) yes yes yeah well a very exciting week submitting your thesis coming out of lockdown and then starting a new job (laughs) yeah yeah everything together (laughs) wow wow that's um yeah very very exciting uh, so I guess just focusing on your PhD that you're just about to, I guess, finish. Uh, for the listeners, could you just tell us a little bit about that and the project itself? Yeah. So um, my project was related to investigate new electrolytes for sodium air batteries. So in a sodium air battery, you have a sodium metal as the anode, you have a carbon-based material as the cathode, and then you have whichever electrolyte that you you use in between. Um, So the main challenge of these batteries is the safety and the performance of the battery. So if you have a organic uh, electrolyte that has been commonly used in other technologies, usually they are organic uh, electrolytes. That means that they're volatile, they're flammable, they, most of them, or a lot, lots of them are toxic. And since we are meant to have like the, the ultimate aim of these technologies to have the battery open to the air, so you can just use the oxygen from the air, um, you want an actually highly stable electrolyte that avoids evaporation, uh, fire, and um, all of that. So, there are like many different electrolytes that can be used, but um, we have focused on ionic liquids because they are like highly chemically and electrochemically stable. And um, there are like 
many properties that, uh, depending on the composition of the cation and the anion of the ionic liquid, you can actually tailor your electrolyte to have the properties that you want for the battery. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. So that's what we've been doing. We've been searching for new ionic liquids that we could use. We have also investigated hybrid electrolytes, which um, uh, are a mixture of ionic liquid and organic solvent. So with that, what we wanted to do is improve the solubility of the discharged products that in the ionic liquid only they are quite insoluble. So in enhancing that solubility usually helps to enhance the, the, the battery performance, the rechargeability of the battery, so. Right, and I believe, and I spoke to Christina about this um, earlier in the week, um, your work, um, the Ionic Liquids work was published in Electrochemistry Communications. You're involved in that as well. Um, how did that sort of come about and how did your involvement in that paper come about? Well, um, as Christina said, <laughs> it's been a really long journey. Um, we wanted to start to study these ionic liquids because um, from the anode side, um, they have been studied in our group and they perform a highly stable sodium platinum stripping. So from the anode side, they, we know they work really well, but we didn't know how they performed for the oxygen side, for the cathodic side. Um, so the interesting thing about these ionic liquids is that um, the anion of the ionic liquids, so the FSI anion has always been reported as chemically irreversible for the oxygen reduction reaction. And the, the importance of this anion is from the anodic side that we know that in sodium or lithium, um, that we generate a highly stable uh, layer on top of the anode that avoids um, dendrite formation and lets cycle the anode uh, in a very stable manner. So with these ionic liquids, with a, a source phosphonium cation, what we actually found is that we can have a highly chemically uh, reversible oxygen reduction reaction that we haven't seen with other ionic liquids with the same anion. So it was very, very exciting um, because we, we really wanted to, to have that FSI anion in the battery to see if the performance from the anodic side would translate into the metal air battery. Yeah, well, congratulations on uh, the publication as well. Thank you very much. So um, now I just wanted to ask a little bit of um, what you get up to outside of work. Uh, obviously, you know, you spend lots of time researching and obviously at the moment writing, but um, when you do get a bit of downtime, how do you um, like to relax? Well, I really like to get out of the city 
as soon as the weather lets me. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed going camping on the weekend and uh, just enjoying nature, going for a hike, like just anything that it's outdoors. It's it, it really gives me like a really good peace of mind. Um, I have found like I have discovered yoga during the PhD. Ah, and it cool. really, it really helps. Like mm. I always thought that it was going to be like, hey, it's just boring. Like I'm not gonna like it. It's just like <laughs> all too slow. And what am I gonna do there? But when you really need it, it actually helps. It does help a lot. So if anything has helped me saying during the PhD, has <laughs> been yoga, definitely. <laughs> it's been a, a nice discovery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can, um, can yeah, I agree with that as well. Both of those actually, my perfect weekends outdoors and I like to do a bit of yoga as well. So I can definitely agree with, um, with all you've said there. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else I ask every guest I get on as well is if they've got some sort of morning routine or just something they do every day uh, that helps them sort of approach a day's work. Uh, a lot of people say that they start their day with coffee. Um, do you have a, a morning routine yourself that you sort of do or something you do every day? Um, well, what I do is I usually wake up. Um, depending on the mornings, I have my housemate's dog with me. So I just like have him with me. I do catch up with my messages from Spain, from my family. I do spend time a little bit to, to catch up on what is happening back home. Mm -hmm. And then I usually go have my breakfast. I like to have a relaxing sit-down breakfast. And then I just start a day. Nothing really special. <laughs> Yeah, no, sounds like a, a good morning. Definitely has to start with breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so just to sort of finish up the podcast, I'm wondering if you could just offer any advice to any um, PhD students that are, have just started out or, um, you know, or even thinking about doing a PhD. Well, if you're thinking of doing a PhD, like I really, really recommend to seriously think about it. It's a tough journey and everybody will say the same. Even though you love it so much, even though you love research, it's a tough journey. So you really need to love it to go for it because it's gonna be hard. So if you are not 100% sure, think carefully about it. If you know that that is what you want to do and that's what you really you're really interested on, go for it. Um, listen to your supervisors; like they will give you great advice. Or at least I'm I've been very lucky with my supervisors. Um, take care of your research, but also take care of yourself. If you are not in a good headspace nothing is going to work. So keep in mind that a bad lab day can turn into a good lab day the following day or the following week. 
But if you need to just walk away from whatever you are doing and do something different, do it because nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to go anywhere. It's going to be there waiting for you. But you really need to be in a good headspace um, to confront the, the journey. So always check up on yourself, see how you're feeling, see how you're doing. If you need help, ask for it. Um, like I'm sure like everybody around you will know what you're going through. Like that's the, the beautiful thing about the PhD that you're always surrounded by people that know the feeling. So yeah, always surround yourself by good people, listen to uh, your supervisor's advice and always take care of your research, but also of yourself. Yeah, some really great advice there. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, thanks so much for joining me for the podcast. It's been nice to catch up and yeah, congratulations on a range of things. You know, the new paper being published, finishing up your PhD and then a new job and also getting out of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> less to celebrate now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so uh, my much. My pleasure to talk to you. It's always nice to talk to you, Sam. Thanks for listening to the ACES podcast. For more episodes like this one, be sure to subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can also find more information about ACES on our website electromaterials.edu.au There you'll find links to our various social media platforms and you can also follow me on Twitter at Samuel Finlay Until next time, thanks for listening <laughs>